0: Hi everyone and welcome to our second Lake Learns Together podcast episode. This episode begins our seven episode series on the cultural shifts we're making through our professional learning communities. We are thrilled to be joined by our assistant superintendent, Dr. Emily Feltner. Welcome Dr. Feltner.
1: Thank you. I'm Glad to be here.
0: We also have with us Amy Cockroft, Executive Director of Curriculum and Instruction and Lania Abondo, Director of Professional Learning. Welcome Amy and Lainey.
1: Hey,
2: how are you today? Good. Thanks Jake. Happy to be here.
0: Well, thank you all for being here. Let's jump right into it. So we are talking today about the shifts that must occur as we grow as a professional learning community. Specifically, we'll be talking about this shift in our fundamental purpose. So in the Learn by Doing book, the first shift in our fundamental purpose is described as a move from focusing on our teaching to a focus on learning. So Dr. Felder, what are your thoughts on this shift and how does it change how we approach our work as educators?
1: So, I think, Jake, when I think about the shift from teaching to a focus on learning, my first thoughts are thinking through what it actually looks like in practice. And here's what I think it looks like in action. I think it begins with looking at our expectations and beliefs. If we want all students to learn, then we have to believe that all students can learn. And if we, as the educators in the system, are willing to do whatever it takes, it it might mean changing the way we do business. And so I thought I might just talk about some of the ways we may have to change the way we do business. Sure. So I think it, one of those changes involves considering what learning looks like at high levels. Thinking about the standard, the skills we're teaching, um, making sure collaboration is a lifestyle in schools where the focus is on learning because it takes more than one person to really think through what proficiency looks like at each essential skill and standard. I just, I don't think people can do that work alone. Mm-hmm. I don't think people want to either. Um, I think another shift is that we have to check on the learning frequently. Like, if we are really focused on learning, then teams of teachers have to decide what would it look like to check in on that. And we'd have to measure – how we measure success would have to be agreed upon by all of us. So we need to know if students have learned what we have taught, and we need to know it daily, weekly, monthly, hourly like so we have to check in on that so we can't just say we taught it but we have to actually check in on learning I think we also have to use those assessments to make decisions about next steps like don't don't assess what they're learning if you don't do something about it right so um, because we want to make sure that all students have an opportunity to relearn content and that really takes an action so I think we have to use those assessments to make collective decisions about our next steps so that kids have an opportunity to relearn it. And I think that what that means is that we have to bring data to the table. So that's a big shift, I think, in some places. And so if teams of teachers will bring data to the table, it means that they have to be transparent with their abilities sometimes about how they did with kids and how they did in terms of teaching and whether or not kids learned it or not. And so I think when they do that, they have to be really vulnerable. And so but we have to make kind of a culture where it's okay to be that way. I think data should be public. I think it's just data. And then we have to make sure that kids have an opportunity to relearn that material from the person who has, is the most proficient at delivering the instruction yeah. for it. And so I guess I also think that knowing that, the last thing I'll mention is that there has to be a time for this relearning to happen. When schools really make the shift from teaching to learning, acceleration time in the daily schedule becomes essential and not optional. Teachers should be fighting over students that they need to serve in this block of time. Every single person on campus should be utilized to support student success. I think this acceleration time kind of becomes an even more important time than the content blocks in the master schedule. And so those are the things I think, when you have a fundamental purpose and it is learning, I think you would see those things in action. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Amy and Lane, you want to add to that? Well,
2: I want to I talk a little bit. You said something about like the teams and we have to do this work together and we want to do this work together. I couldn't agree more. Like That collaborative, knowing I have partners in this work and I'm not alone in my classroom with my kids is huge to me. Um, so I'm really wondering more if anybody has any ideas around what are some of those initial steps to get those teams working collaboratively because that's some – fabulous work um, to really bring us to high expectations in the belief systems, but actions that go along with that. So what might be some of those first things that we've found as leaders that help teams move effectively together? I'm thinking like just one simple thing. We're going to agree to meet at a certain time. We're going to come prepared, right? Like the adults have mm-hmm. to decide some of those things.
1: I Yeah, I, I definitely think that the setting of norms like that is important, right? But what I also think is... Um, I have to want to go to the table. So, like, what drives me to want to go to the table? Mm-hmm. Like, so this idea that I'm supposed to meet or I get to meet are very, two very different mindsets as I enter the room, right? So, I would come prepared because if I knew what we were going to discuss ahead of time, and I know that we're going to work on this essential standard, and I actually found some way to teach it, or I've then I I want to come prepared. Like, if it's the thing I'm going to be teaching that all kids are going to have to get, I think I'm more motivated to then be prepared to come to the table to talk about it. But when I'm just coming to the table and I'm not really sure what we're doing or I don't really know or we're just planning for the next piece, if I can do the work alone, it's the, it has the mindset of I have to come to the table, right? Mm-hmm. If, if it's really work that I really can't do, it, like I, this is work you can't, the, the discussion around what we're doing is so big, it takes more than me, I want to come to the table. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that goes back so much to
3: the belief system, right, which makes me think of the foundation of the process as a whole and the the mission and the vision and the values, right? And, and then setting goals. And if we can all be on the same page with those mission, vision, values, and goals, and then build some collective commitments from there, I think that helps to take teams to that next step of okay when we come together here's the purpose here's what we're working towards so we have a little bit more of a concrete um purpose for our gathering each time we're all working towards that same goal I
1: love that yeah so I think um I think for sure some of this way of thinking could be a radical change for some um but for others, I think the shift might be easy, you know, I think they just need the opportunity to, have, to understand what it's all about. I think, um, I do think it takes leaders who truly do things with their people rather than to their people, um, really know how to build shared understanding around this. Mm-hmm. And I think they'll see results for kids much quicker. Um, but I will say there's nothing quick about the work. It truly takes time, it is a journey, It continuously gets refined, reworked, and it gets better every year. I think that's ultimately that shift, yeah, right? Right? Focusing on what the kids get, the learning.
0: Okay, the the next shift in the book talks about um, fixating on what our students have learned rather than on what was taught. Uh, Can you describe what is intended by the shift and how it should affect our instruction and planning?
1: I definitely think that this shift builds upon the first shift that we just talked about. It moves from the fundamental purpose of being learning to fixating on what they've actually learned and that can require more rethinking of how we work in schools. So you ask about planning so let's start with that. I think it completely changes the way common planning looks. In the absence of this shift um, I typically see teachers hopefully in teams but sometimes not yet planning for how they'll deliver the content. It centers around what they will say or do or what resources they'll utilize. But if teams would use the four questions to guide PLCs and team meetings, it will automatically refocus their lens to learning. The first question by nature does that. What do we want students to learn? So it speaks to learning and not teaching. Mm And so when teams of teachers have made the shift to fixating on student learning, the first conversation they engage in is around the knowledge it will take for students to demonstrate mastery of the essential standard being taught. It involves the breakdown of the standard into essential skills. And then the second question drives the next part of the conversation, how we know they have learned it. The second part of the conversation is around the common formative assessment and the task that students could engage in to demonstrate their understanding of the standard. And then the team would engage in conversations around instruction, So it comes third rather than first. They talk about how the essential skills will be taught, what resources will be utilized to be most beneficial to students, and what daily check they will use to provide immediate feedback to students. And I would have to say that regarding instruction, while the PLC process, that's one of the loose things in the PLC process, is how teachers teach the the content, I do have some beliefs that students deserve certain experiences and opportunities in every class. And I think that that's really important. Um, I believe that students should be able to see a connection between what they're learning and real life experiences. Um, That authenticity of learning really matters to me. I think that students should know what they're learning, why they're learning it, and what they'll need to do to demonstrate mastery. This gives them clarity throughout the learning process. I believe that students should have access to adults thinking through the learning and providing them with a model to access if they need one. I believe they should have opportunities to learn with their peers discuss their thinking, solidify learning, before having to demonstrate their learning independently. And I think they should be reading, writing, thinking, and talking. Every day. Every day, all the time, right? And I believe that all students should experience this way of learning. So while the PLC process doesn't exactly work or speak to a common vision for instruction, I do believe that it's important when creating a school system rather than a lottery system of schools. So I felt it important kind of in that When we talk about that like when we do get to instruction i don't think you just leave that to happenstance of how kids or how kids get access to the to the learning i think it's important to set those standards well and in that then students still i mean excuse me teachers still have the
2: opportunity to decide exactly how they're going to make that come to life or that teacher magic in their classrooms right right um i see that it helps clarify that language that we're using when we're coming to the table together to talk about those pieces, like what is needed in that um, as well. And at the beginning, you talked about like fixating on what students have learned, like what educator doesn't want kids to do better? Like, that is what we're in it for. And if, if mm-hmm. I can answer four questions with some teammates and come together and use more than just me being responsible for that, then let's do it. hmm.
0: Shift number three is a change in thinking around covering all of our content within the year to ensuring that our students demonstrate proficiency, and that's a big change. It makes me think of um, Mike Mattis' keynote speech where he, he asked the question to the audience, when's the last time you heard of someone getting in trouble for not teaching all the standards? Because there are so many, um, and his, re- his reason for doing this was to stress the importance of this exact shift of having the students demonstrate proficiency on essential standards. So what are your thoughts on this shift and how do you see it impacting the work of teachers in lake county
1: well honestly i think teachers if they could make this shift they would be so much more effective and influential on student learning i also think they'd be happier i mean imagine instead of trying to collaborate around every standard and instead making very intentional changes in thinking and deciding that on deciding on standards that all students really need to learn and collaborate on just those so I think digging deeper into the knowledge and skills necessary for, to demonstrate proficiency and really take learning to the next level, I don't know, it provides so much clarity for teachers, right, if we can dig in together. Um, I think you know, teacher clarity around big learning would create more competent teaching, which would then lead to higher levels of learning. And then that's, that's all teachers want. They want to see the results in kids, right? So I think that's the biggest thing, is how do we get them to a level where they can really see that this will impact learning? Because, honestly, if, it's, if it doesn't, why am, I, why am I spending time together, right? It, mm-hmm. I've got to see impact. But um, I think this shift is so challenging for teachers because in the last few decades, the emphasis, the emphasis from above us has been teaching all the standards, right? So how do you, like, not do what people actually say you're supposed to do? So I think that we have to really think about, like, at the district level, how are we creating systems of support that actually gives the message that it's okay to really work hard on really big standards and make sure all kids get those and then teach the rest but make sure kids come out of that particular course grade level um, with some big learning and they've mastered it and so I started thinking like I don't know I mean this is a great question to kind of flush out here it made me think do we need to consider different ways of doing things like should our district assessments be around the big learnings that we have on our blueprints you know because right now they're not you know and so they address all this so is that a message we're sending inadvertently that's confusing Mm -hmm. for teachers so I really I was thinking like it might it's an area I think we might need more conversation around like if we really think it's important then let's assess let's leave the other assessments of other standards up to schools but at the district level we've identified some major key learnings we think kids should have right and so should we be maybe we should be just assessing those that would send a different message if i knew as a teacher the district was looking only at the big things that i was sitting at a table with others learning more about right i don't know what do y'all think about that well
2: I was going to let Lane go first on this one, but I'm not now, because i got to <laughs> jump
1: in. Um, I,
2: it takes, that would take a shift in moving from the assessments are a predictor of how they're going to do on the end-of-state assessment, which aligns perfectly with the progress monitoring system we're moving to anyway, right? Let's really see how they're doing on the big-ticket items. That will help them even get some of those smaller standards. Yeah. We're talking about standards that are enduring, like they mean something to
3: student learning. Um, I love that thinking. I do, too. I, I was thinking back to just some um, learning that I've done around this area. And, and I'd read like not this is where we say these are not the only standards that we're going to teach, but this is where we're going to commit to intervene and make sure that every student has that opportunity to receive high quality intervention and reach proficiency in this area because it's that important and that critical for this level so that they can be successful at the next level. So when you think about the implication too for the collaboration, if we kind of went that route with assessments, I think about the conversation that would then come back to the table within that, um, with, within the collaborative team meeting, like what? what would that look like? We're then focusing solely on these essentials. I, I could see some vertical collaboration
2: at that point as well, because I taught sixth grade math. Nothing would have made me happier than to know that the, all the fifth graders coming from a, um, a school would have some of those key essential learnings that I could then build on as a sixth grade teacher around the key essential learnings that I had. That would be um, – life-changing i think for the achievement of students
0: yeah mm-hmm. well the the best standards when you look at especially math they have focus areas for each grade level mm-hmm. and and they flow into one another so if we're if we're looking for what's big ticket it it's spelled out even the state has started mm-hmm. to put a little emphasis on on what's really important to, to move throughout the grade levels so maybe that's the missing piece the assessments then
1: yeah, I mean, I think I think we've identified. So again, you identify, right? But then, what do we do about it? Do we check on them? Do we see a, you know, how do we how do we convey a different message to teachers that gives them permission mm. to be able to really focus on it? Because I think that they, you know, I think that teachers want to do the the very best job right but they also have a lot of different messages from different places and I would never want to be the confusing message and so uh, this is one of those ways where you start thinking oh well we need to refine this rethink this have more conversation about again that whole journey piece you know we it's not whether we got it right or wrong it's just how can we maybe do things a little differently that would create more understanding for teachers which then leads to higher levels of learning for kids I mean Clarity precedes competence. Yeah. Lane's <laughs> favorite quote. My favorite quote favorite ever.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, the final shift in, in this section of our shifting to our fundamental purpose speaks to engaging in authentic collaboration within our school teams and, and building our collective knowledge of essential curriculum. Uh, how can this collaboration and the pursuit of a collective efficacy provide a positive impact in our classrooms?
1: So I think when... Um, I think the word you're using, authentic collaboration, right? That's that like really makes me pause a bit. So I, I think, um, so I think it has to look like what it would look like around any other table that I want to be around to work collectively with, right? So it's not just happened in schools, but it happens outside of schools. But I also think about like building those teams is sometimes difficult. So I think what what makes that happen at the district level i do think we practice that i think we've and and it wasn't easy at first like just it was not my my own team has a team of very strong strong individuals great leaders but we came to the table and it we had to rumble a bit a a lot in the first year but so i had to think back to like what makes it authentic like what where when does it get to authentic instead of just planned right so first of all you got to meet and you got to meet regularly so i think saying you don't have to go to your team meetings this week is a hindrance, not helpful. Mm -hmm. So, because as you meet, you understand people better, right? Every conversation leads me to understand more about, to more about you as a human. And I have to see you as a human in order to be able to collaborate with you and really have some exchange of maybe ideas that we don't always agree on. So I think that's part is meeting regularly is, I think, a key factor. I think you have to have a purpose, like we have to, there actually has to be a purpose for why we're meeting. So the four questions should drive all the conversations. Like sometimes I think people know the four questions, but then when I go to a team meeting, nobody's talking about any of them, you know? And so I'm like, wait, where, you're in the absence of sort of like talking about a book, but not having the book open, you know, in a book club. So I don't know, I think those are two things. I have to have a purpose. And then I have to have clarity around the work. Like We have to continue to learn about what the work looks like and that it can grow and though i have to see results so something i have to do something small so that i can take it back into my classroom and i see it work with kids because the truth is i will i will believe what you say but i will really believe when i can see it Mm. in my own students in my own room with my own content my own age group whatever that means um, i have to see some results fairly quickly um, and so those are things, I think, make authentic collaboration um, begin to happen. Um, I also think I think that part of it is the whole culture piece, right? So um, climate is sort of how we feel. Culture is how we do business and how we engage in learning. And I think we have to create a culture from the top all the way um, to any level is that mistakes are okay like it's okay to make a mistake like we are we want you to be creative we want you to be innovative we want you to try something but we have to come back with that trial and error is okay and so i think that takes a minute because i think people want to get it right and sometimes it's just about trying it out and then having a conversation afterwards about how it went i think when that when we have that kind of environment then teachers can get to the point where they'll say, I don't know how. I don't know what this, what this really means. I don't know how to do this. And then we have to help them right away, right? I mean, I do it all the time, right? I mean, as all of us say, I don't know how to do this. Help me how to do it. And, and I need help pretty quickly. So I think giving teachers that feedback, not waiting until they're just you know really, really at a point where they're giving up, I think we have to help them immediately. And, and that comes from a simple point of I actually don't know how to teach this. I'm brand new. Tell me how you're going to teach it. I'm going to try your. Can I try your way? You know, really outline it for me. Okay, I'm going to go try that. And then can we talk about it next week and see how it works, right? So I have something to bring back to the table, whether that's kid work or whether that's my own thinking or how, I, how it went. And then people will tell me honestly where I might make a change or a shift. And I think that's all part of it. I think data has to be public. I think I think data is just data. You know, it's just it's numbers of where we are currently. It doesn't mean where we're going to end up. Um, but I think having that a school where I can make mistakes, my data is just what it is. We have conversations about how it gets how to make it better, and my teammates know how i'm doing i know how they're doing because we take an investment in all of our kids like it really is all of our kids right so it's not my kids it's not your kids um it's that i'll take yours you take mine and then i can say take mine like clearly you did better than me so i'll do Mm -hmm. something with yours but if you will please reteach this to a few of my students i'd be very grateful right i mean so i think that brings about some authenticity i don't know if you guys have some other thoughts about that but those are some things I was thinking. The authentic piece really was challenged. I had to really think about that.
3: Yeah, I I love all – I think all of those things put together just absolutely lead to collective efficacy. And um, I I think also um, there's there's such an importance to the need for celebration at the end of all of this, right? Like when we get to the point where we have – this culture in place and we have all these pieces which as as you've said is is certainly a process right and something that we continue to grow and evolve um in but if we get to the point and we're seeing those wins and we're seeing positive results for students like every time that we can celebrate we certainly want to um encourage that as well for our teachers um because they're they're certainly you know doing doing the work and showing the results for our students which is which is the purpose. That's why they're there.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking um, that authentic hit me too, right? And that authentic collaboration and talking about our first year as a team and the rumbling that we had. We all liked each other. Like, I don't want people to think that you can come to a room, you can like the people in there. Mm-hmm. But that authentic collaboration um, is just so huge and how you stay in because it was the right thing to do for teachers and kids. Like we affect what happens with teachers and we ultimately affects what happens with students as well. So that was um, definitely a good learning experience for me. but I know we're coming to our close of our time, and I want to thank you for your authentic passion for this work. And it's just so obvious that your leadership in this, um, side by side with all of us, and I mean all of us willing to do that with everybody, has just been instrumental in getting us to that model school. PLC status knowing that that's just that's the beginning right we're not done we didn't put a label on we're done we got this we still have work to do but your Mm -hmm. leadership has been instrumental in that so I personally appreciate that and want to thank you for
1: that. Thank you so much it's I mean it's it's the only work I I don't know I I do think you have to live it to to lead it and so um, I always say to people if not this then what Mm -hmm. and I can't find a better what I can't find a better way to do business in schools that has as much impact on on teachers leaders and students everybody you know and so I thank you it's been a pleasure to to do this work and yeah some greats happening in lake that's for sure absolutely i agree
0: well that brings us to the end of our episode for today um join us next time for our next episode on plc shifts thank you dr feltner Mrs. Cockroft, Mrs. Amando, for joining us today.
2: Thank
3: you for, Thank having, you for us. having us. Thank you. Yeah.